Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we were talking about the religious leaders in chapter 20 who were questioning Jesus and trying to trap him with a question about a woman who had seven husbands who died. And then they asked Jesus, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? You'll find that in chapter 20, verse 33. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And I told you last week that Matthew and Mark's account tell us that it was at that time that Jesus said, you do error because you don't know the Bible and you don't know the word of God. Remember, I told you that. Talking about not knowing the word of God, listen to some of the questions and answers. It's unfortunate. People don't know the word of God. I'm talking about Christians. We don't know. The cults know their Bibles better than we know ours. That's a shame. So talking about question and answers, listen at this. Here was a question to evangelical Christians. Who was Noah's wife? The answer, Joan of Arc. Who was Lot's wife or what was Lot's wife famous for? She was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. Where did Moses receive the Ten Commandments? On Mount Sinai. That's, these are all true. Joseph led the battle of Jericho. The people who followed Jesus were his decibels. <laughs> the epistles were the wives of the apostles. King David fought against the Finkelsteins. And then lastly, the Bible says a Christian should always only have one wife. That's called monotony. (laughs) I didn't say that. And here's some serious questions asked of evangelicals. That would be us, evangelicals, Christians. Forty percent, get this, of evangelical Christians couldn't name the four Gospels. Sixty percent could not say for sure who preached the Sermon on the Mount. Asked of 10,000 mainline Protestant pastors, these were their answers. Now, this is 10,000 mainline Protestant pastors, these were their answers. Was Jesus born of a virgin? 50% of mainline Protestant pastors said no. Was Jesus the Son of God? 80% of mainline Protestant pastors said no. Is the Bible inspired of the word of God? 80% of the ministers said no. 
Do you believe in the physical resurrection, bodily resurrection of Jesus? Over 30% of mainline pastors said no. I believe that Jesus would say the same thing today that he said 2,000 years ago. You don't know the word of God or the power of God. And what a privilege it is. Listen to me close. What a privilege it is for us to come to, to attend a church that still believes in the whole Bible and not a Bible full of holes. Is it, you know, people tell me all the time, they, they come, they say, you know, it's really nice, you know, I found a, finally found a church that teaches the Bible. Do you know they are teaching some weird stuff in churches today? How many of y'all know that? I'm talking weird, teaching, aberrant, false, heresy, teaching. We are blessed. I don't say this because I'm the pastor. I say this because it's true. We believe in the infallibility of the word of God. We believe, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And we believe that the Bible needs to be taught. Now in chapter 20, if you were with us, you know that we're in the final week of the life of Jesus. And it's Passover week. And in this final week, people are making pilgrimages to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices that are going to be examined by the priests. Also in chapter 20, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was being carefully examined and scrutinized by the religious leaders. And as they're questioning Jesus, Jesus is weaving through their questions and tearing down their arguments. You know that today we'll finish chapter 20 and we'll move just a bit into chapter 21. I've titled this sermon, Give Jesus Your All. Luke chapter 20, saints, beginning in verse 41. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. Well, some of y'all ain't looking at it. If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. That's better. And he said to them in verse 41, how can they say that the Christ is the son of God? Now, David himself said in the book of Psalms, in your margins, you might want to write Psalm 110. In the book of Psalms, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son. Well, then in the hearing of all the people in verse 45, are you looking at it? In the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplace, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for Did you see this? What does it say, saints? For pretense. They make what? Long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Now, up until this time, if you've been with us, look at me. Give me your attention. If you have been with us, you know, up until this time, the Sadducees have been asking Jesus all the questions. But now Jesus turns the tables on them. In verse 41, he asked them, how can they say that Christ is the Son of God? In verse 42, David said himself in Psalm 110, as I told you, the Lord in the Hebrew, that word Lord is Yahweh, Y-A-H-W-E-H. 
the Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord. That's a different word. That's Adonai. A-D-O-N-A-I. The Lord, Yahweh, said to my Lord, Adonai, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? In other words, how can the Messiah be David's Lord and David's son? So Jesus is drawing their attention to something that they have missed or ignored about the Messiah. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter. Do you really know who I am? David called Jesus his God and his son. Jesus is not only the son of David, he is also the Lord of David, as Revelation 22, write that down, Revelation 22:16 tells us that he is both the root and the offspring of David. He is the root of David, which means he brought the Jewish nation into being, and he's the offspring of David. That means he comes through the line of David, and the only way for Jesus to be David's Lord and David's son is anybody listening. The only way for Jesus to be David's Lord and David's son is if Jesus is both God and man. Jesus is asking them, do you know who I am? He's turning the tables on them. Now in verse 45, while everyone is listening, Jesus said, beware of the scribes and the Pharisees who wear long robes, love greetings in the marketplace. They love the best seats in the synagogue and the best places at the feast who devour widows' houses for pretense they make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. Now in Matthew 23, verse 3 through 7, Jesus said it like this. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, they the Pharisees. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries. Phylacteries, these are boxes that they wore on their heads. I can't tell you much. They wore these boxes on their heads with scripture verses in them, and they wore them on their wrists to remind them to always be thinking about God and, and always have the work of God on their hands. So they wore these phylacteries, and they were broad, and they enlarged the borders of their garments, and they, the Pharisees, loved the best places at the feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus is saying the religious leaders, they have no integrity. They have no compassion. Are you listening? They have no compassion because they bind heavy burdens on people. They have no spirituality because they do things to be seen of men, and they use religion to attract attention to themselves and not to glorify God. And they selfishly feed their egos instead of selflessly serving God and people. And they have no humility. And they love to be honored and get the best seats. And in verse 46 in your Bibles, and they love to wear special clothes or long robes. They love to wear long robes and special clothes so that people can look at them and say, oh, you're a holy man of God. Can I tell you all something? 
I don't have any special clothes. I don't have a robe. Have y'all seen, you know, I, get, I watch Christian TV from time to time. And they have some pretty fancy looking robes out there nowadays. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm talking some nice robe. I'm like, goodness, great. They got gold going up to here. And Have you seen some of these robes? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They got some fancy looking robes. Let me tell y'all, I don't have a robe. I don't own a robe. I don't, I've, I've worn one one time, and that was under duress. I wore one one time. I don't have a clergy collar. You know, y'all know what a clergy collar is? I don't have one. If I had to wear a clergy collar, I would have to wear a white shirt backwards and put a black shirt over it. I don't have any special clothing. And I don't think I want any special clothing. I don't need any special clothing because I don't need people to look at me and recognize I'm a man of God based on my clothing. And so I've had, I've had people say to me, oh, we, you know, you don't look like a pastor. I've had people say to me, you don't look like a pastor. I'm like, really? What does a pastor look like? I don't know, but you don't look like him. And I don't, I don't, and I don't try to. Honestly, during the week, and for those of you that have been around here and you know, and my staff knows, during the week, I wear sweatpants, a sweatshirt, a hat on my head, and my sneaks, I wear it all week long. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you something. I wear the same pants every day. My wife is like, well, you take them pants. All them things are standing up in the corner. Take them pants. (laughs) Now, fellas, y'all know. Now, tell the truth. Don't you lie in church. You know pants are most comfortable when they're dirty. Isn't that right? See, y'all lying in church. I know that. Y'all like, uh-uh. That's because your wife's sitting there. You know that's right. I wear the same clothes. I don't, honestly, I don't really, I, I don't like to dress up. I, I really don't. I mean, I, I've got a lot of clothes, and, and I, I have a lot of clothes, but I don't like to dress up. I just don't. I like my, my comfortable sweat clothes and my, my, my jeans. I mean, you know, my, my comfortable clothes. I, I don't, Sunday mornings I dress up. I mean, Sunday I do, I do dress up. This morning I happen to look very nice up. Y'all think I look nice? Well, how come y'all ain't tell me? Then nobody say, Pastor, you look nice. Don't say it now. It's too late. It's too late. But I, I just, like, you know, I dress up on Sunday morning, but that's it. I mean, honestly, after service, and my staff and my pastor, elders, deacons, they will tell you, I will leave this pulpit, I will go to my office, take off these clothes, and put on my sweat clothes and, that, and my, my casual clothes, and that is what I will wear for the rest of the week until I have to dress till next Sunday. I remember when I was in the store, I was down here at Lowe's, and I saw some, some lady, and, and I guess people don't know who I am if I'm not dressed up like this. So I had my hat on and my, my clothes on, and, and she said, Pastor Rodney? <laughs> and she has such disdain on her face. I mean, she, she disdain, like I smelled or something. She was like, Pastor Rodney? I'm like, what's wrong, honey? 
Oh, I just didn't know, I didn't know that was you. I just didn't know that was you. Because honestly, I don't feel that I need to look like a pastor. I know that I love the Lord. I know I love his word. I know I know his word. And that's all that really matters. These guys, listen, they wanted to look like holy men. So they wore these long robes that people would say, oh, there goes a holy man. And notice in verse 47, please look at it in your Bibles. And for pretense, they love to make long prayers. For pretense, man, that jumped out at me. For pretense, they, make, they love to make long prayers. Remember I told you, the length of prayer has nothing to do with what? The strength of prayer. Sometimes we think we got to pray long. And we got to pray hard in order for God to hear us. The length of prayer has nothing to do with the strength of prayer. Listen, if you have me over for dinner, you want to have me over for dinner because I'm a short prayer. The food will not get cold. Put the food out there. Pastor, would you pray? Yep, no problem. Let's pray. Good God, good food, good meat. Let's eat. You need to write that down. Wasn't that good? I'm just going to pray for the food and we're going to eat. I don't, I, you know, some people think they got to pray long and not only long, but they got to pray loud. Anybody been in one of those? Tell me you ain't been in a prayer circle and you just praying now. Maybe it's just me. I'll, I'll just give you all that. But you're in a prayer circle and you're praying and, and you're even praying, right? Praying, you're praying. And then you get to the person who thinks that the strength of prayer has to do with the length of prayer and the loudness of prayer. And they get to prayer and they're like, oh, Lord. And notice their volume keeps going up and up and up and up. And before you know it, they're like, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you just, I love to Jesus. And you've been in a circle. I'm like, I'm like am, I, am I the only one here in this? Can I tell you something? Listen, you need to write this down. This is profound. Listen. God is not deaf. Isn't that profound? God can hear, listen, God can hear your heart. You don't even have to open your mouth for God to hear your prayer. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will pray for us in times when you don't know how to pray that the Holy Spirit will pray for you and with groanings, the Bible says, which cannot be uttered. Is that right? Is that true? So yesterday, um, I'm with a couple, and they told me some horrible, horrible, terrible, terrible news. And I, I didn't know how to pray. I mean, if you've been a Christian for more than one week, you get to those places where you don't know how to pray. Can I get a witness? Anybody? All right, 10 people. All tough crowd. And you don't know how to pray. And I just, I took their hand. I said, let's just pray. And I said, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray for. And the Bible says that even in those times where you don't even know how to pray and what to pray for, that you can pray, that you can groan. Did you know that? That you could groan and God will take the groaning of your spirit and interpret it and interpret that groaning to God to understand what it is your heart's trying to say. Are you getting me? 
He will take the groaning. So you're praying, Lord, Lord, I just, mm-hmm. Lord, my kids, oh. <laughs> it's that kind of groaning when you got kids. Lord, my kids, oh. And God will take that, oh. <laughs> I can't do it three times. And then he will take that and interpret it. God's not deaf. You don't need to pray loud. You don't need to pray long. You don't need to pray pray strong. God can hear the prayers of your heart. Are you happy about it? Are you happy about it? Because sometimes, sometimes you get in situations you don't even, you don't have time to pray. Some of you have been in a car accident. You know how fast a car accident happens? Just like that. You don't even have time to pray. But in your spirit, God knows the prayers of your heart. These guys were praying to be heard by men and not by God. Matthew 23, 27, you write that down. Jesus said that they are more like beautiful caskets because they look good on the outside, but on the inside, they are dead men's bones. Verse 47, Jesus said, these will receive the greater condemnation. Luke chapter. Chapter 21, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're looking at chapter 21, verse 1, say amen. Amen. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury and he saw a certain poor widow putting in how many mites? Two. And so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow, watch this, has put in more than all. For all these out of their, what, abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her, what, poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. So right after Jesus warned them of those who deliberately try to bamboozle people out of their money in the name of God and religion, he tells them a story of a poor widow who put money in the offering and she put in all she had. Now, in Mark chapter 12, right about verse 41, please look that up in your own time. But in Mark chapter 12, it tells us that Jesus sat opposite the treasury and he saw how people put money in the treasury and many who were rich put money in. So Jesus didn't just watch what they gave, but how they gave. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, when you give, don't do it to be seen of men. When you give, give in secret, and your Father who sees in secret, anybody know that verse? Who sees in secret will reward you openly. It is unfortunate, somebody listen to me, it's unfortunate that the church has adopted worldly methods to extract money from people's pockets. If I hear of one more praise-a-thon on TV, I will scream. I turn the TV. (laughs) You know, I turn the TV. Every, I'm telling am I the only one? Uh, it's, uh, everybody's uh, praise-a-thon. You need to be giving money. Praise-a-thon, beg-a-thon, give me money-a-thon. I mean, it's every single station people are 
doing things to extract money from people's pockets. We've all been in service, not maybe all of us, but many of us have been in services where, you know, after taking up five offerings. Okay. Taking up two may be understandable. We don't take up any offering here, by the way, at Calvary. Just so you, maybe you don't know. But we don't take up an offering here at Calvary Chapel. We have boxes on the back wall. And if you choose to give, put it in the box. If you don't, no problem. We don't take up an offering. I tell preachers that. Preachers lose their ever-loving mind when I tell them that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever tell somebody we don't take up an offering? They go, what? I mean, I literally had a beat. His voice went up 10 octaves. What? I said, I said, we don't take an offer. He goes, well, how do y'all pay the bills? I said, we don't. He said, what? I said, the Lord pays the bills. I said, we don't. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands because he does. Because he does. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.